Hello and welcome back to the Racing Writers Podcast, a special post-race edition because it's Roval Day and I'm so excited. I've got Jeff Gluck from jeffgluck.com. I've got Chris Owens, my other half, and a photographer for Action Sports to get his perspective on shooting photos. And Gluck and I were covering the race. I can't stop smiling. I'm so excited. That was amazing. I know, dude. I'm still like, I, I can't wait to get back and like watch the replay a few more times. And I'm really... Uh, I really want to try to find fan videos and see people's reactions because I didn't really get to hear like the crowd roar because we were inside. Because you know, once oh, you, you were out, still inside. Once, you, yeah, because I was like, I didn't. I wanted to make sure I knew the points, which ultimately I didn't because yeah. I went out on pit road thinking that Jimmy was in, and then you and Bob were there. I think I was already outside, so I had no idea what was going on. I had oh, no yeah. idea that. So I obviously on the fan vision and in front of me, I saw the 78 and the 48 get together. I saw Bla uh, Blaney win the race. I had no idea that Truex had spun Johnson in turn one. And I'm trying to read the points on the, on the fan vision, which it tells you the points, but I wasn't sure if it was up to date. And NASCAR's trying to call it out. So I had no idea. You, ha you knew more by the time you got out there than I did. I was just going to – my plan was just to watch the end and then sprint out there. So – I stayed around for the finish, but like, you know, I left before I even knew what happened with Kyle Larson and saw that whole mess, but I just, yeah, I, I didn't see so, that either. I had no idea until I oh, came back in the media center. Absolutely. It, I think people just never realize at home how much, how little we know once we leave the Wi-Fi and TV <laughs> part of the media center. Cause even though we have radios on and, and you know, you have a fan vision and you're out there on pit road, you're so disconnected from exactly what's going on. Um, I'm sure Chris, from a photographer standpoint, is even So you, you guys are talking about how you don't have a clue what's going on. Yeah. Can you guys tell me what happened with Larson? Because <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. Sure. So I'll, st I'll tell some of yeah. the story. You can maybe fill in. So, Because I just finished a story on Larson because I had no idea it was this eventful. So Larson's 26th going into the last lap. Okay. At that point, he's one point out of the playoffs. Well, he's so far behind as he's going in turn one, Jimmy and Martin are already wrecking off of the chicane. Because so his car is totally, you know, it was Right, wrecked, Larson was destroyed from yeah. the... So right. Larson was destroyed from that 15-car pileup in turn one with six laps to go. So as Jimmy and Martin start wrecking in the chicane, mm -hmm. Larson's team's telling him, hey, they're wrecking, you know so on and so forth and they're like you know look you can't hustle back because the car is so destroyed you're gonna blow a tire but larson's like essentially was like screw it i gotta hustle back because then they told him the 96 just got turned which was the 25th place position and if he got the 96 he would get that point so larson hustles it through he blows the bus he almost blows the bus stop pounds turns three and four then he blew a tire there blew a tire then he gets down into the chicane and pounds the wall coming out of the chicane. But this 96 was still stalled there that he like literally came off the wall and just like turtled it across the start finish line. Did I miss anything there? It might have been yeah, more eventful. Well, I that. just think, I mean, even the, the fact that, and he didn't, he didn't say this in the, in the presser, but I have a feeling that he angled it in a way like he, the way that he seemed to hit the wall twice, he was almost like, okay, I'm going to do it like this and then get pointed back in the right direction. He was pinballing it in a way that it was like intentional. It was like masterful driving, but it was wrecked race car driving. It was insane. That car was destroyed. Did, did you, Chris, so Christopher, one of his clients, one of Action Sports clients is, is uh, Chip Ganassi Racing. Did, so I'm sure you were shooting the 42 at one point. That car was destroyed. 
Well, I wasn't shooting it after he wrecked because it was so late in the race and I don't need anything anymore. But I saw the right front towed out or towed in, however you want to call it. But how he made it back and, and how many points did he make it in by? So zero. The, zero. Because it was a three-way tie, by the way, for the final spot. It was Larson, Almirola, and Johnson, and Johnson was the odd man, odd man out. So Larson, just getting past the 96, shot him to 11th in the standings. Almirola was 12th, and then Johnson was the odd man out. So what did you see, as a side note, Christopher, what did you see during the race today from your perspective? Did you enjoy it? Things of that nature. I saw a lot of... Uh I would say good racing. I don't know if I don't know what TV showed. Apparently, they were in commercial a lot. But from my my vantage point up in the grandstand, it looked like a, a good race. It was something different. It's you know, we do this for thirty five weekends minus the three road courses. We do ovals thirty five weekends a year. It was just something different. It it like we we're, we're in the point of the season now where it's rinse, lather, repeat and just having something fresh and new was exciting. And, you know, I was telling people in the photo room, you know, we come to Charlotte three times a year and you get, you get stuck in the same spots to go shoot the oval with. And it was nice to come somewhere and have multiple places to go and multiple angles to shoot. And it was just, it was, it was refreshing. Like I, I, I literally sat in the stands at one point, which is like, this is, this is just nice. This is, it's, it's, it's different, but it's it feels comfortable in a sense because you're you're doing something and you finally get in a, a rhythm and a groove. It was just refreshing to be this late in the year and not be doing the same thing. So to that point, and, and Jeff, you and I have talked a few times that we get, as writers, we get through certain points of the year, you feel like you're writing the same things over and over. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, my relationship with Chris, I love hearing how's, how his weekend goes sometimes because I want to know, hey, where were you shooting? What did you see? And they have to, just as we have to find sometimes new ways to tell stories, he's always telling me he's looking for what different type of shots he can take so and I know coming into this weekend you were just curious of where you were even going to be going to be shooting um did you do you feel like you got some good stuff this weekend are you happy with your stuff because again we, we talk about that a lot at home yeah there's there's some the, there's some shots that I'm just like man you don't like I have one where down here where they're going into the roval and they're coming back out it's just a wall there and I think it's on my Instagram it's just a wall and there's a car going this way, and there's a car coming this way, and it's just one of those shots where you're like, you don't see that. To clarify, so there, because this is a podcast, Christopher, they can't see your hands. So there's a car going in the road course while the while say the leader is coming out of the road course onto the oval. I know you were excited about that, actually. Yeah, I'm surprised. I went up back up there today after doing it yesterday, and there was only one other photographer up there doing it with me. So I think that's kind of the shot of the weekend is. I know Jeff, you've done Formula E and their their street courses. Mm -hmm. That part of the course to me feels like a street course because you have cars going in different directions and you're yeah. able you're able to capture it. And to me, it just it feels like a, a street course. Yeah, and you had from the press box vantage point, it was so cool because you had them going up into the um, infield, out of the infield, and then in the way background, you had them on the banking of the oval. Some if they got spread out enough. So it was like three different views. I I was only in the press box for half the race, but I was so surprised and fascinated because I didn't get to go up there for Xfinity. So this was my first time today. I was just like, this is freaking awesome because you don't even know where to look. You could look at 
oh, you know, there's the chicane down here. Oh, but wait, now they're coming into the in that crazy turn one where they all end up mm -hmm. crashing. Oh, maybe I should look there. Oh, maybe, you know. And, and even though they were spread out um, after the restarts, I really was like, this is so cool. This is such a – because when we go to um, Watkins Glen or Sonoma, you see part of the course, right? And there's no, at least from what I can see, there's no real place where you can see that much of the racetrack. So this was sort of the first time, I've never been to, to like the 24 hours of Daytona or anything. So this is the first time where I had like the, sort of that arena, road course in an arena feeling where you're able to like pretty much see the whole thing um, for the most part. And I just thought that was from like a viewer experience. I mean, if I was gonna bring somebody new to a race and be like, you should check this out. I would buy a ticket in that whatever tower is called up in uh, NASCAR Turn 1. And uh, you know what it's called? The uh, it's a upper Ford or something. But that's yeah. where I shot the race from for a majority yeah, of the race. Yeah. I mean, that, that seemed like it would be amazing to sit up there. Because, like, what a cool experience. The cars are coming at you out of the road course. You're seeing – you would have seen the Keselowski thing. Uh, you can see down at start-finish. I mean – It's one of those things where – and I told somebody during the race, I was like, man, if you look down in turn one, there's a ton of people down there. And it it reminded me of when I came here as a fan 15 years ago for the 600. You would just look down there, and there's like a massive amount of fans down there. And you're like, man, this looks like 15 years ago back in the heyday of the sport. It was just all, it was an awesome sight to just look down there and be like, there's a ton of people down there. And it's To me, it's one of the best views on the NASCAR schedule right now because, you, you know, the biggest thing with the road course, like you said, is, you know, Sonoma and Watkins Glen, you can't really see anything up there and, and all in turn one. You can see the whole course. You can see three and four, the chicane. It's, to me, it's one of the best spots in, in NASCAR right now. I wanted to ask both of you a question based off of that. So, Jeff, you went to the press box. I didn't go to the press box because I was worried about sight lines, but mm -hmm. you felt like you could still see a lot of what you wanted to see. And, and I had somebody... I think it was Dale Williams who went up yesterday for the Xfinity race, and she didn't go up today because she's like, A, the glare was so bad, and then B, you didn't really know where to look because there was so much going on, and there were certain places you want to look, but, but you couldn't see anything. But you, you liked it up there. You felt like it was good. Yeah, you do miss the backstretch chicane. Because it's so low. It's very low, and it's kind of I think there's some RVs and things back there that kind of block it. And that was, you know, going into the weekend, that seemed like it was going to be the hot spot when they kept hitting that wall. You know, before the they tire barrier. Back. Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't think there was one single incident. Maybe I think Mer nope. maybe Eric Jones spun through there at one point earlier in the race and just kept going. But that turned out to be a total non-factor. The real the stuff that was dicey was um, we're right on the front stretch, essentially mm -hmm. the front stretch chicane and the heartburn turn or whatever the tums wall <laughs> the tums wall and chris you so you went up to turn 1 in the grandstands one of the biggest things coming into the week, this weekend was the spotters were talking about they were worried about the infield being full and the sight lines being affected because there was campers and like the infield here i have to admit was full Charlotte Motor Speedway did a fantastic job with that. There was a lot of people in the infield. Did that affect your sight line in terms of either what you saw through the camera or what you saw when you were just sitting up in turn one? Because I was telling people I felt like the best seat was going to be in turn one and up as high as you could go. So from what I could tell, uh, you could see down into turn one, turn two, you couldn't really see much because of the scoring pylon. And I know... Where I ended up, you couldn't see the big screen either, so I'm not sure if that played any role into people up there or not. Um, 
you could see three. You could see turn four. You couldn't see down the straightaway. You couldn't see five, and you could barely see them coming around up the hill in turn six. But with all the campers that they put there, I'm kind of glad that they did put those guys there because you can really get some neat pan shots from there, blur a lot of the a lot of the campers and stuff, and make it really colorful. Outside of that, it was really tough to see the backstretch chicane just from everybody in the infield. It's so low, it's so low down on the the back straightaway anyway other than that it's it's one of those racetracks where i think if we were going to do this somewhere else you take a look at what we do here and try to incorporate something better or maybe uh, i don't know dig the infield out a little bit or raise the infield up just to just to be able to show people more of the actual course but for its first time it's it wasn't bad yeah no i i i think the obviously there was even some question coming into the weekend of like well, it was going to be a disaster. Yeah, well, for for sure. And <laughs> would they do it again? Right? Like Yeah, that's the second question obviously. Is are we going to do this again? And, and now I, it's I would like, I would assume now it's forever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is never This this off, is never though. never going yeah. away. And you know what though? I'm all for it. And we had this conversation yesterday, Jeff, because you had been tweeting the, la- the past couple days whether you were pro oval or anti oval. You're mm-hmm. pro roval, I should say. And I was so skeptical skeptical coming into the weekend because I said it's not a real race it's not a real race course and you know do we really need it to be a, a, a crap show as everybody was saying it was going to be but then after yesterday and today it's like you know what a wild card a, a curveball every once in a while this this is great I, I'm all for it now I, and I and yeah we need to do it again you consider the Roval at Daytona a road course because I mean we—that's one of the biggest races of the year, worldwide, it, and that's a that's a Roval, technically. It if you want, is. if you want to be not trademarked pl- since not, Charlotte jumped yeah. on the Roval and trademarked not it. trademark, but I yeah. mean that's still a Roval, that's totally and that's Roval. that's one of the biggest races of the year in motorsports. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I just was was kind of again jumping the gun. I admit, I think I kind of just jumped the gun because we well, get we get so caught up in the sport about you know going to new racetracks and we need to go new places and do new things. I kind of felt like this was the cheap way out of just using a racetrack we were already at. But I, I admit, I was wrong. I, well, I, I was it, wrong. It was this was really out. this was was really really good and it, and and it worked. It was you know when you're talking about like a real road course this obviously wasn't it this was right like, that was my point yeah, th- yeah this this being not not being a real racetrack I, my meaning is not being a real road course type thing yeah but i think the thing is like and i kept going back to this over and over because as much as people wanted to say this is going to be like a wild card race like daytona and Talladega are wild card type races i mean i know daytona's not in the playoffs but because you have to race in a pack in order to keep up with the pack Otherwise, you're going to get lapped. You're going to lose the draft. And then as a result of racing in the pack, you're probably going to get taken out by somebody else's wreck. So it's complete lottery. Here, we saw for most of the races, they were conserving fuel and tiptoeing around. You don't have to wreck. I mean, it's no. up to you how hard to go. No, you are in control here. Exactly. Unlike what they complain about at Daytona and Talladega where you're not in control. Right. And and my other thing, too, would just be – so everybody's loving this race. I, I think majority everybody's loving this race, loving the fact that it's in the playoffs, so on and so forth. But I, I haven't heard anybody yet make the comparison of why people are okay with this being a cutoff race, but we absolutely cannot have Talladega as a cutoff race. That I that that because I know that's a whole separate story, but I but just it goes back to it goes back to okay Talladega. 
you know, I'm going to go to Talladega and it's not in my own fate, basically. I mean, they even even everybody running into the wall together following Brad was up to them today. They didn't have to follow Brad into the wall, but they did. <laughs> Going back to the whole Talladega thing, I to me this wasn't a wild card for like every like what you guys said. You could you could go as fast as you want. But you look back at Talladega a couple of years ago and Kevin Harvick basically wrecked his way into the well. That's yeah, a story for a different day, but like you, I don't think you would see something like that here. We, we saw what happened over here, but that's just Jimmy going for the win. I don't chalk that up to. And I think he even said it. He wasn't looking at playoff points at that point. He was looking at trying to win. Mm-hmm. I like. I don't. I don't see this as a wild card. I see this just as another, another race that has implications in the championship added on. And I think, at the end of the day, I think it did what it what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to bring excitement. It was supposed to get people talking. And I think we're, we're going to be talking about this race 20 years from now yeah. because it, there was so much going on. There was so, so much new things that happened. And then everything that happened on the last lap, I think it's, it's, it's up there. It's like Kale versus Donnie in 79. I think that's, that's what this race is going to be in 20 or 30 years. Yeah, I mean, I I think just the the famous finish aspect of it. Nobody's really going to remember the fuel mileage part. Oh, remember no. that was a calm race. No. People are going to go, oh my gosh. I mean, that's going to be in every commercial and stuff. And I'm actually going to smile every time I see it because I think it's freaking awesome. Like yeah. I loved the whole thing. Sorry for Jimmy fans because they were probably like about to have this huge celebration. Yes, Jimmy won, and then all of a sudden, oh, he's out of the playoffs. I mean, talk about a, a roller coaster I'll thing there. Yeah, so so let's talk about that real quick. And I do want to talk also about the wreck in, in turn one because Todd mm-hmm. Gordon had a fantastic quote that may be the quote of the race. But so Jimmy Johnson, if I'm a Jimmy Johnson fan, I think he, uh, obviously I'm bummed out because he didn't advance in the, in the, in the playoffs. I'm bummed out because he didn't win. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, hot damn. I mean, he, he did what he was supposed to do. And, and he said that on pit road. We were we, – Jeff and I, we were both out there of – Hey, I'm a racer, and there the wind was right in front of me. He hasn't won, and he admitted that was on his mind, and he thought he was good on points, and and yeah, maybe looking back, he wouldn't have done it now that he knows the in, the the outcome. But you can't really blame him. I mean, that not only because looking back on it from a journalist perspective and from a sport perspective, we can say that was awesome, but I I can't blame him. That's what that's what you want drivers to do. Yeah, I really, really think that obviously this is a, a very high hindsight situation, right? I mean, you'd be like, oh, my God, Jimmy, why would you blow it? And you, all you had to do was just calm down and be second. You would have easily made the next round. But the more I think about it, I mean, obviously he's not thinking, uh-oh, what if I spin out and lose seven spots here and miss the playoffs? That's, that's not on your – he's like, I haven't won all year. Here's an opening. I'm going to go for the win. He's not thinking, and he thought he could make that. Of he, course, he was adamant yeah. he could make that I move. I didn't think it was that much of like a crazy risky gamble or anything. At the end of the day, do you want a driver going for the win, or do you want a driver points racing? And I think, I think a lot of people would sit down and say, "Oh well, if he didn't make that move, oh well, he was points racing." But you also could turn around and be like, "He was going for the win. He was going for the first Roval win," and that to me. I think in 20 years, that's going to mean a lot to say that you were the first guy to win the Roval because I think this is going to stick around for a while. But he just wanted to win, period. He just wanted to – well, yeah, he just wanted to win, period. But 
like you guys are saying, do you sacrifice the win to to make the next round or do you go for the win? And I, I think he made the right call. I think he made the right call too, but now he's obviously looking back and saying, I wish I was still alive in the championship. But sure. in the but in the moment he, he wanted that well, win. Well, that's what he said. He no, he definitely wanted. He said, I mean, he would have liked to have the championship over a win. But I just don't think that it was, you know, you know, as as he's coming into the final lap, essentially, they're probably saying, "Look, you're like eight points of the good right now." Mm-hmm. You know, whatever he it was, is. yeah. I think he he was so sitting pretty good by by yeah. by a good he's five thinking, to maybe ten points. Absolutely. So he's like. I got that. I mean, and I he said that too. He mm-hmm. said, he said, my math, I knew we were good. And then obviously losing the spots and then Larson getting one spot. That's what took it all away. Well, it wasn't so much Blaney winning. I don't think no, because I don't Blaney, think Blaney Blaney was fine. It was, mm-hmm. it was Johnson losing six or seven spots cause he finished eighth. So he went from second to eighth and he had to stop and he had penalty. to stop. So. so he went from second to eighth and then it was Larson getting another position. That's where all his points went. Yep. So I, 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 I think, I think it was a good move. I mean, that's what, that's what I want to see race car drivers are doing anyway. So I can't fault him for that. Yeah. I mean, it definitely sucks. He's going to, it sucks for Truex. I mean, he dumped him after well, the checkered flag. Yeah. Truex. So I didn't get to talk to him on pit road, but I saw his quote later. Um, I haven't yet. He said, um, basically there was no chance Jimmy was going to make the corner anyway. So I don't know. That was pretty stupid what he did. So I guess the silver lining is that he missed the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. Yeah, so True so I, I didn't get to go to Martin on pit road. I yeah. stuck it out with Jimmy because I felt like uh, in the moment he was the story. Later on, I felt like Kyle Larson was the story. And then the third story is going to be the, the battle for the win. So I didn't see Martin. I haven't even read his quotes at this point. But I knew he was obviously mad because I went back, uh, plugged to FanVision. They had the replay button working today on the scanners. And nice. I could go back and listen to to some stuff. And I went back and listened even an hour or two hours after the race. And I went back and listened to Truex's radio. And they were not happy hmm. when he got spun out. So I'm not surprised to hear you say that was his quote because, I mean, hey, he wants to win too. But I don't know. I, I, I might argue that Jimmy wasn't going to make the corner because he, he was on his bumper until he wheel hopped it and, and, and spun out. So I'll have yeah. to go. That's my next thing to go read is, is his quotes. I so. do think that Jimmy had a shot to do it. He just, yeah. It he just blew it. Though, but yeah, but yeah. you know what? Hey, Daniel Hemrick did the same thing yesterday in the Xfinity race. Let's not, let's not forget. He yeah. just, he just didn't take out the leader. So, um, Christopher, did you see the turn one wreck, the 15 car wreck? I mean, I think that was probably that the, was the, the other most exciting thing of the day. Talk about the blind leading the blind. He went in there and just, I, I, I don't know. Like you, I don't, I, I, I don't know what to say. Like how? Where you, are you standing when that happened? I was in under the star or under the flag stand. So we're watching on the big screen, and you just you see the guy go into. You see Brad go into turn one. And you're like, yeah. holy crap! And then you see like 15 other cars piling. Yeah. And you're like, what are you guys watching? While he's wrecking, what are you guys doing to to also do the same thing? So I didn't realize in the moment it was 15 cars because I saw Larson, Kyle, uh, Kyle Busch, uh, Brad, and I think it was Menard and, and whoever else. I didn't realize that in the moment it was, it was 15 cars, but it was 15 cars per NASCAR. Hmm. And uh, Kyle Busch came out of the care center and said, well, I guess we were all stupid. Yeah. And we just didn't have anything else to do. So that was a great quote. But the, the quote of the day to me, was Todd Gordon, Joey Logano's crew chief, under the red flag, 
talking about how things were unfolding and, and Todd I, I can't imitate his voice but I can I'll try to imitate the pauses here Todd goes Brad just he just led the army off the cliff yep and uh Joey laughed and, and was asking who the leader was at that point but I, I think that might be the quote of the day it's true and I, I have to wonder though like you know Brad said well geez I wonder if there was something on the track or something to happen but yeah but I at th- the time over the radio he said hey I just locked it up and yeah. overdrove it he so i think what must happen is that you're racing down to that corner and when you're behind right behind another car you're basically going to follow them into the turn right you, you're not really if you're the leader you can see where your marks are better and i'm assuming if you're right in the, a bunch of traffic and you're you're just trying to follow that car wherever he's going because so. you can't see, from what I understand, a driver like so. So say, um, say Kyle Larson, for instance, mm-hmm. because he would have been the way the restarts laid out. He would have been by the time they got to turn one, he would have been behind Brad. From what I understand, Larson or any driver cannot see through the rear window of the car in front of them. So, like, I think what the point you're trying to make is, you can't see what's ahead. So essentially, Brad was leading everybody into the wall. Yeah. Because they're probably following him in his line, thinking he's he's making the line into the corner, and instead he went in the wall. Exactly, yeah. I mean, you're not going to be thinking, well, I'm not going to follow him here because he's going to be going straight ahead. Yeah. You're, you're waiting, and then he's going to turn, and you're going to turn. But Larson did look like he saw it, saw what was happening, saw the brakes lock up, and um, or saw the tires lock up, and, and then tried to get around him. But by the time he turned... It was too late. Like, and then Kyle Busch, same thing. He realized it too late. So yeah, I think they both said they just he he at the last minute they thought they could get away and they just couldn't. Right. So there was a point. I don't know which restart this was on. It was it was late in the race. It was in the the third segment, third stage. One of the restarts, and I think this was the the ballsiest move of the race. Kyle Busch went down there, and I guess he decided he wasn't gonna make he wasn't gonna make the corner or whatnot. Just turn it left and pass like five cars i think that was i think that sums up that term a lot is if you if you just make your own lane i don't think it was that he didn't make he was he wasn't going to make the corner that was when the contact between eric jones daniel suarez and somebody else happened and i think kyle knew everybody was stacking up and he just took evasive maneuver yeah. and he went the way he came out I think he actually like maybe lost one spot. Yeah, I I wonder if he actually he realized online, right when he got back on track. I th- I wonder if he realized he may be penalized and just gave the spot back, so to speak, like you would do at a plate track if you think you're going below the yellow line. Because mm-hmm. it looked like it looked like he had the run, and then all of a sudden he lost a spot or two. And I wonder if he was just trying to save himself. I I, I wouldn't put it past Kyle just because his racing IQ is unbelievable behind the wheel, and it wouldn't surprise me if in that moment he knew he. He may uh, have to just save himself, and and he wasn't penalized, so that was. Yeah, you know. I wish we had asked Steve O'Donnell about that afterwards. Um, it's one of those we had, things we where. Had other questions yeah, it's one of those things where stuff unfolds after the race, and from a yeah. journalist perspective, you think this, this, and this is going to be the story, and then by the time the checkered flag falls, X, Y, and Z are the story instead. I will so. say that a lot of people were tweeting me, um, asking about, well, this is not fair because Kyle Larson didn't make minimum speed, and Steve O'Donnell said look, he's got three laps to make minimum speed. This was the third lap. If the race had gone one more lap, mm-hmm. Larson would have been penalized or had a, had yeah. some sort of a time penalty because he wouldn't <laughs> have made it. So Larson, again, eking by in the slimmest yeah. of margins. What a day 
just oh my gosh Seriously. We, we could sit here and talk forever but let's end it just talking about uh i guess who was eliminated from the playoffs the first round of the playoffs is over jeff your observations on just how this first round went and the four drivers who are out which is jimmy austin dillon and two uh joe gibbs cars which is what eric jones and, and denny hamlin denny hamlin is, again will not win a championship yeah well i think so this round was super super interesting because typically the first round i think has been fairly straightforward and tame um instead you had probably the wildest first uh, race of the playoffs that we've seen in this chase era i mean i can't remember another race that was that crazy as vegas was and then you probably have the wildest cutoff race since the eliminations have been around for the first round. Um, so this round, it, you know, Richmond was the tame race. This was a very strange round. Which is ironic because 10 years ago they were the action track, and that was the, the least amount of action we've seen in this round. Yeah. Leave it up to the mile-and-a-half track and the roval to be like the crazy stuff, and the short track didn't really deliver. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, I think – most people probably would have had Denny going farther. Um, Eric Jones was really, really hot coming into the playoffs, so he was sort of a trendy dark horse pick. And won the poll at Vegas, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if I remember in my medication stupor from yeah. being uh, laid up at home. That Vegas race, uh, disappointed I wasn't there, and, and what I remember from, from sitting at home is that Vegas race was – I did not expect it to be as crazy as it was. I came into this first round thinking that, okay, Vegas is going to be another mile and a half. We know what's going to happen there. It will be the big three, big four. Wrong. Sure. And then I thought we'd go to Richmond, and Richmond would be, oh, short track. Maybe they're going to all lose their minds because it's the playoffs and bump and runs and all this other stuff. None of that. It was mm -hmm. very, very tame. And then I figured we'd come here and it would be chaos. And, and I would say a part of today maybe was a little bit of chaos, not as much as we were all predicting, but there certainly had its moments. So entertaining first round for sure. Now, now let's see what we get in the second. Yeah. Well, I mean, this was going to be a straight fuel mileage race. Which would have been fun too. Yeah. And to it, me. Guys were going to run out late yeah. and there was probably going to be a caution late so i would have loved to have seen if brad kozlowski could have made it because on any other racetrack you would say that brad kozlowski is one of the best fuel savers in the series but it would have been fascinating to see if he could do it here which is first time doing it here nobody knows how a track like this plays into fuel mileage so i was kind of bummed that the caution came out but then at the same time we also got the finish that we did so yeah I, I was going to be very interested, but I would take what ha ultimately happened yeah. over that. Yeah. Um, it is kind of interesting, though, that, I mean, I think people would have said Austin Dillon would go out. You know, he was kind of like the easy pick in some ways. He was. I think, though, after the start. Yeah. I mean, after the last the last two weeks, though, then you start looking at mm, maybe he has a chance. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'd say a little bit surprised there, a little bit not surprised. And but then Jimmy, I mean. If he makes second round, he could, in theory, win Dover, and next thing you know, he's in the third round, and then maybe he would, you know, Martin's. Yep. So you never know with him, and so I think that's maybe, I don't know if it's a relief to the other drivers, <laughs> but it's somewhat like, I mean, to, ha not, to not have Denny and Jimmy advance past the first round, um, you've got to be saying, whoa, those are two guys yeah. who really could have made a deep run. I, I don't disagree. I think, to me, the biggest thing, again, I, I don't think Austin Dillon was necessarily a surprise um, Eric Jones, again, that could have gone either way just because it's his first time in the playoffs. But again, like to your point, they were hot coming in. So I, I kind of started to think maybe they had a little bit of momentum. Um, Jimmy, yeah, I, I, I think I actually said coming into the playoffs, it was going to be very hard for them to point their way through. And essentially that's what happened. 
um, because he didn't have playoff points. He didn't have stage wins. He had he had none of that, and and he couldn't fall back on it today, obviously. Um, but to me, I guess to me personally, the, the the story again is Denny Hamlin because you know the longer he's in this series and the more he goes without um, winning a championship, I don't know why, but that just sticks out to me over the years. I mean, he's been here what thirteen, fourteen. How many years? I don't even know how many years. And could have won it in 2010. Could have won it in, what, 2014. Could have won it so many times or whatever it is. And um, I don't know. For some reason to me, that just is what stick out. sticks out. Denny Hamlin is, is still not going to be a, a cup champion. He's shaping up to be this era's Mark Martin pretty much because Mark never won a championship. But Mark had two or three really good years where he should have been the champion or could have been the champion. It, to me, that's what it, it's shaping up to where Denny Hamlin is. This, this I don't want to say generation, but this era is Mark Martin. Well, he needs to worry about now just winning a race because he's never gone a season in his career without at least one win. Same with yeah. Jimmy. And they both they have seven races to go. And they're facing for the first time with, with you know not getting there. So. Yeah, that's my next story to watch. Actually, is uh, I have that uh, in my notebook going into the off season. Is all the drivers who won races last year who who didn't win this year. Ryan Blaney just knocked his off today, but you've got Jimmy. You've first time got... we said Ryan Blaney, and he won the race. Yeah, uh, sorry, Ryan. <laughs> sorry Ryan. Sorry um, Ryan. <laughs> but yeah, Jimmy, um, Denny, and I, I think there's a few others. Of course, I can't I can't pick up off the top of my head. But yeah, that's that's another thing. Is is he still winless now here we are what is this the, the 31st race of the year 30th race of the year 29th i don't know here we are this late in the year and would you have thought going into daytona that jimmy johnson and denny hamill would be winless i actually on sirius i, I almost want I, I need them to pull the tape for i i did like a you know what's your bold prediction for the new year in like december and i i i don't even maybe i probably wasn't even really serious but i have I threw out, I was like, Jimmy Johnson's not going to win a race this year. They're like, what? That's so dumb. Um, I mean, you had something to go off of, though, because, you know, midway through last year, we all saw this coming. Right. They started slipping. Denny, though, I would have thought he had three wins, would have had three wins. I mean, especially, I mean, Kyle's won plenty of races this year. Their stuff's good. It's funny you say that. That was your bold prediction. And I actually, coming into this year, one of my preseason columns was five drivers who had to deliver this year. And one of them was Denny Hamlin for just all the same reasons I said. I said he has to deliver a championship at some point. And, again, we, he keeps going further and further on, and he hasn't won a championship. So I, I, I don't remember who my other drivers were. I think one of them was Chase Elliott needing to win a race, so I got that one right. Um, I think another one was Eric Almarola having to perform in the 10 car to prove that uh, whether it was driver of equipment, I think he's doing pretty good on that part. So it's funny that you say that. I think, it, you know, it's one of those things just, again, as, as journalists, you come into the year, you try and kind of look into the magic eight ball of what's going to happen. And I didn't see, I mean, I didn't see Denny winless at all. So, yeah. or I, I don't, I don't even know if I saw Jimmy winless. I knew, I figured they were going to struggle just again, going back to last year, something started happening to them about, about the summertime, but surprising for sure. Yeah. And I think, having two big names go out sort of early like this, um, I think it kind of sets up for a potentially straightforward elimination next round. Like I could see, you know, like Almarola, Bowman, Boyer, and uh, Blaney mm-hmm. going out next round and nobody being that surprised. Or Kurt Busch instead of Boyer. Well, I don't know. I was going to say, I think that 14 team, they need to they need to step it up a little yeah. bit. They haven't uh, – they ran – 
pretty decent today. I mean, they had good moments. They had bad moments. But they have not been as no. strong as they were at the beginning of the year. So they're if they start stepping on their toes, I, I agree. I think they could be the, one of the next ones out. Yeah. So I think uh, I think then this next round after what we ever, all the, what we went through these first three races, watch these next three will be like, gosh, give us something to talk about. Right. Right. <laughs> so all right, any closing thoughts, um, Christopher? Any any closing thoughts? Uh, I'm gonna go with the unpopular opinion here because I've already read Twitter. But uh, I think every second, every track that has two dates should have a roval. I think that's too much. Yeah, um, I'll let I'll let Jeff take is that. It is it though? Because when you sit down and think about it, what tracks have what tracks have two dates? You have Texas, you have Michigan, Pocono, Pocono, Kansas. Kansas. Um, I could see us running the parking lot at Dover. Yeah, I mean. Pocono has an infield course. Kansas has an infield course. Indianapolis has an infield course. I believe Pocono already has Yeah. I think so. But I, I, the one that sticks out in my mind, and it would make so much sense just based on I, – I can't even remember the race a couple of weeks ago, let alone last week. But Indy, Indianapolis has such a perfect road course just sitting there during the month of September now. And – to me, it would make so much sense, and I think you would bring back a lot of people that have been turned off by the the Brickyard 400 in recent years to just try it. Let's let's try it. Let's stop doing all of these things that cost teams money. Let's just go there one year and say, we're just going to run the road course. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We tried it at least, and we, we don't you don't spend any more money having teams run air ducts and spoilers and tapered spacers and restrictor plates, it's just one of those things where you bring a road course car and let's just race. No. <laughs> I'm not I'm not in favor of all these being rovals now, but I do think that the schedule needs a shakeup. Uh, Jeff, any closing thoughts? Thank you for being on the podcast. You've had yeah. me on yours a few times now. I'm happy to return the favor. That's I figured awesome. today, I, yeah, I figured today would be a fun day to, to have stuff to talk about. So anything you want to plug or talk about, closing thoughts, feel free. Um, I just feel like this was, this is what I want out of the NASCAR experience. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I want, I, I like crashes or something, but the unpredictability, the drama, the holy crap moments, you know, where you're sitting there like, oh, I can't believe this, you know, just stuff that you wouldn't imagine. Um, that's why I love sports and that's why I love NASCAR and I got I felt felt there was a really really high entertainment value out of today um, You know I at the tweet up this morning. There's people from all over the country. There's two people from Portland who came um, Who flew just like I did out here um, a guy from Pennsylvania who had never come to this race drove eight hours down here guy from Richmond who I met or who I know and, and last week at the tweet up he was saying yeah, this is the last race of the year he got so caught up in the roval hype this weekend on Friday, he just bought last-minute tickets, drove down, and I think all those people that came, like, totally got their money's worth and had a great experience. And it's just like, this is what this is great. That's what NASCAR should be, you know. And I thought so. I was very thrilled by it. The crowd. Uh, I was really, really worried at first. I know I went and saw uh, Chris on the grid 
when uh, driver intros were going and I looked up in the grandstand and there was like 20 people here and I was like, oh my God, where is everybody? Because they had hyped this up so much and talk about ticket sales. Um, but it sounds like a lot of people from the infield maybe moved up into the grandstands and then I think there was actually a lot of lines that were getting backed up uh, out front. So I think once all those people got in, the crowd looked, I mean, you were in the grandstands, crowd looked really, really good. The infield was packed all weekend. Um, Friday, I went out outside of turn two up where some of the motorhomes are parked because I was doing uh, another podcast interview and I looked out into the into the racetrack into the infield and I kept saying to myself holy crap it's packed uh so fantastic job by by Charlotte so I make I'll make this analogy and I mean this no derogatory terms at all it's just a reference when I was at start finish line and I look down towards turn one and I see all the people in, in that part of the grandstand, it looked like 15 years ago. To, I'm being dead serious. When I look towards turn four and the, the part of the racetrack where you didn't have a sight line and you couldn't see, it looked like our present, what we see week after week after week attendance-wise. And that I, that's not a derogatory, I'm not trying to crap all over the attendance or anything, but turn one where you could see everything looked phenomenal they've got to do something down here and and turn four to entice people to want to sit down there because outside of probably not but outside of the chicane what else what else could you see down in that part of the course Good point, I guess. I mean, yeah. again, it's... You, you want know, to sit down toward turn. Yeah, those, those yeah. I mean, for time. first yeah. time doing this, maybe they can figure something else. But uh, so, Christopher, I'm sure you and I will continue talking deep into the night about racing because that's what we do. Okay, so you say. Jeff, thanks for being on the podcast. Congratulations again to you and Sarah. Is this your last race? Or My you, last race. Last so it was race. A, good, a good one to close with. I enjoyed the cupcakes, by the way. I hope those were for oh. you. They were for the, the impromptu baby shower. Yes. yes. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you. And uh, all right. So bring on round two. Here we go. The round of 12. So thanks, guys. Thanks.